You can turn in your Bibles to John 16, verse 7. I've been so encouraged here today through the, the singing, through the scriptures. We had a, just a great time here so far. And I was thinking about the song that Greg just led. God is so good. It was a song about God's goodness to us and God's love to us. He with earthly cares entwineth. God puts himself intertwined with our cares and our, our troubles and our problems. And that's such a blessing. Jesus came near to us. He came near to people. He touched people that were untouchable. He did things that were unthinkable to get close to us and came all the way from heaven to be near us. And our text verse comes from a time when Jesus was talking to his disciples and they were incredibly sad because they thought things were going to really, really be getting so much worse because he was talking how he was going to bleed and die and he was going to go away and they just couldn't, couldn't hardly hear him talk about that. It bothered him so badly. Now at our house sometimes we played this game called Table Topics. And it's, it's really fun. We sit around, we have these little cards, and on the cards it asks you to, to say something about yourself. And there's cards that read like this. If you could choose any time when you could be born, when would have you been born? Or where would you live if you could choose any place to live? Or if you could meet anyone you wanted to meet, who would you meet? Anyone from history. And it's really fascinating to listen to people's answers to these questions. I don't think we've ever had anybody at our house say, well, I would like to be born on my birthday, and I would like to be right here in this living room, and I would like to meet these people right here. I'm just happy. I'm good right where I am. But no, we, we, we start imagining people in the past, and often in these questions people will say, I would have liked to have been born back 2,000 years ago, and I would have liked to have seen Jesus feed the 5,000 people, or Jesus uh, rise from the dead, or Jesus appear after the resurrection. Um, so these answers that, that we, we would have as we think about where we would like to be, or who we would like to be with, or what we would like to happen, they have to do with some perceived benefit, or profit, or advantage, there's some information that we would like to get by talking with Jesus personally. There's some significance, there's some purpose, there's some peace, there's some joy or security that we would have. Well, Jesus in this verse said a very surprising thing to the disciples. He said, something, he said, truly, truly, this is definitely true. Everything Jesus said was true, but once in a while he would emphasize, verily, verily, or of a truth I say to you, Something is going to happen that's going to be a clear advantage for you. I titled this message, Advantageous. But what he said was going to be an advantage didn't sit well with their minds. And maybe, actually, as I was reading and studying this, it really doesn't sit real well with me either because I think there would be some advantage to being right there with Jesus in his healing ministry. So when someone's sick, Someone has a need that no one else can meet. Well, let's take them to Jesus. And that seems like an advantage, doesn't it? Or some knowledge, something we don't know about the future. Well, let's ask Jesus. Jesus knows. Well, Jesus said in this verse, it is to your advantage if I leave you. So I'd like for us to think about 
what Jesus meant and what is that advantage. He goes on to tell us what the advantage is. <clears throat> this word advantage isn't a, 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 a word of good and bad, uh, kind of like at our house uh, when we're playing that game. If somebody says, well, I'd rather be there 2,000 years ago, we don't take that to mean that they hate being at our house. It's actually a Greek compound word that combines bringing things together for a profit. So it's kind of like saltine crackers is good for breakfast, but cheese and jam on toast is better. Maybe not all of you agree with that, but you know, as I, as I look at the two breakfasts, both are good. One seems better. Jesus is saying, yes, it's good that I'm here with you now, but after I go, it will even be better. And they were so baffled by that. Well, let's read the text. If you, if you have the scripture, uh, and if you care to, you can stand. I'm going to read quite a bit of scripture here. And uh, the advantage, of course, I'll just get to the punchline. The advantage is, Jesus said, if I go back, I'm going to have the... Father, send the Holy Spirit who will be right with you and in you. And that's such an advantage for us because Jesus, the Spirit of Jesus, is with us and is able to meet our different needs and to be with us even in our trials. He is present with us. And we'll, we'll talk about several uh, specific things the Holy Spirit does for us. The Holy Spirit does so many things for us, and you can just let your mind... Uh, Wonder, and you can let the Holy Spirit, who's here as our teacher, Holy Spirit is a Christian's teacher. As we uh, read the Scripture, just let the Holy Spirit speak to uh, your mind, our minds, and uh, let us know that we are not at such a horrible disadvantage because Jesus has went back to heaven. We're actually in a great place of privilege and blessing. All right, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start at verse 5 of John 16. If you care to stand, you can stand or follow along or listen. <clears throat> Jesus said, John 16, 5, But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, Where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. <clears throat> and he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you long, no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world, that Satan, has been judged. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And he will glorify me. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will glorify Jesus, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. A little while, and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. <clears throat> Some of his disciples then said, 
to one another. What is this thing he's telling us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. <clears throat> and because I go to the Father. So they were saying, what is this that he says? A little while, we do not know what he is talking about. So this was puzzling. Let's, let's go on to the um, next verse. Jesus, who knew all things, they knew that they wished to question him. And he said to them, Are you deliberating together about this, that I said a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will be turned into joy. Whenever a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when she gives birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish because of the joy that a child has been born into the world. Therefore, you too have grief now, but I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and no one will take your joy away from you. In that day, you will not question me about anything. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy will be made full. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much that you are here through the person of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for Jesus' clear words and clear teaching on the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that the Holy Spirit is always seeking to bring words of Jesus to us and Bring glory to Jesus, and we just pray that he, Jesus, would be lifted up today. He would be glorified in our thoughts and in our lives, and as we go from here to live in the coming week, that uh, we would just walk closely with you. We would walk closer than we did last week. We would love you more. We would serve you better. You would increase our faith today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I started studying this lesson partly because of May 5th on some of our calendars. May 5th is highlighted. It's a special holiday. It's a red day. It's Ascension Day. And Ascension Day is something we don't really talk about or think about very much. I remember as a boy, some churches would have Ascension Day services. You remember that, uh, Sister Fanny, in Pennsylvania especially? seemed like some of the Mennonite churches there would every... Every Ascension Day, they would have an Ascension Day service. And it was a special day to think about Jesus returning back to heaven. It happened 40 days after Easter. That's why Ascension Day is, just as with Easter, is different times on our calendar. It's somehow based on the Jewish calendar. But it falls on a Thursday, 40 days after Easter. During those 40 days, Jesus appeared many different times to different people, one time even to 500 people at once. He appeared first to the women in the garden after he rose from the dead. And then John and Peter ran to the garden and they didn't see Jesus, but they saw an empty tomb. And they went back and told the disciples, he's not there. They weren't sure if he was risen, but later that night, Jesus appeared in the midst of all 10 disciples. Uh, all 10 because Judas wasn't there, and Thomas wasn't there. But he said, peace to you, and they were so scared. They were locked uh, 
up in a very secure building. They were so scared that they were going to die. They were just terrified. They were full of fear. And when Jesus showed up, they, they were very frightened. But he said, peace to you. And they relaxed. And they started feeling joy because now they knew Jesus truly had rose from the dead. Thomas wasn't there. But the next uh, time Jesus appeared, Thomas was there. You remember the story. And again, Jesus spoke peace and comfort to them. And, and he showed Thomas his scars in his hands and his feet and in his side. And he said, Thomas, you can do what you said you would have to do before you believed. You can touch my scars. And you can put your hand here where my side is. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. He saw and he believed. Well, finally, Jesus ascended 40 days later. And there's different accounts of that in several of the Gospels and also in Acts chapter 1, which is a beautiful, beautiful uh, picture of Jesus ascending. And the disciples were looking up into the cloud, just looking and looking, trying to see one last glimpse of him and feeling sad. And two angels appeared. So why are you gazing into heaven so hard? He's going to come back just the way he went. And he has work for you to do. And so the story of the Ascension is a powerful, powerful story. And tied with it is really what happened 10 days later. So 40 days after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven. 10 days later, which was 50 days after his resurrection, was a special day called Pentecost which uh, penta means five or 50. So 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, the Holy Spirit came. And that's in Acts chapter two. So we, all Christians who believe in Jesus, are beneficiaries. We have great profit, great advantage that even the disciples who walked with Jesus didn't have because Jesus could only be at one place at one time. He could only be in one village, he could only be talking to so many people at once, and there was so much pushing and shoving and people trying to get to Jesus. And Jesus, could I have your attention? People were screaming for Jesus. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Well, now that the Holy Spirit has come, wherever a Christian is, the Holy Spirit is there within us. And so when Jesus said here in John's gospel, we didn't read the scripture, but there's a number of other scriptures around uh, chapter 16. When he said, after I leave, you're going to do greater works than I do. It's in the context of the Holy Spirit will come and he, the Holy Spirit of Jesus, will be in each one of you. And all over the world, in Nigeria today, in Missouri, where, wherever people are, and our thoughts go to these places, we have loved ones there. Um, Pennsylvania, wherever your thoughts are, where your loved ones are, Jesus is there. And that's a blessed thought, isn't it? And Jesus is able to be at work. Well, just a little bit on the ascension before we get into our text. I should say a little more on the ascension. The ascension of Jesus was foretold by Jesus. In Luke 24, Jesus said, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. 
and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name in all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Ye are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what the Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus in the Gospel of Mark said, You will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven, <clears throat> talking both about his ascension to sit at God's right hand and then his second return. And the angels in Acts, those two that showed up with the, to, to the group that was looking up into the clouds so hard, the angels gave a promise. This same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus knew that he was, his ascension was foretold by him. He knew he was going to die, rise again, and ascend to heaven. And also, his uh, ascension was foreshad uh, foreshadows his second coming. There's a, a similar way that he went the first time. He's going to come back on his second coming. <clears throat> so we could think about the ascension in a couple different ways. We could think about what happened when he actually ascended. We could also think about What's happening now, post-ascension? What's happening in heaven? And what's happening on earth? I would like us mainly to think about what's happening on earth. That's us today, the advantage we have, because Jesus has ascended and sent the Holy Spirit. But for just a, a couple verses on what's going on in heaven. Where is Jesus now? What is Jesus doing now? Jesus is positioned in heaven in a position of honor, great honor. He's seated at God's right hand. We know at times he stands up because Stephen saw him stand up to greet him. Maybe he stands up to greet all the different Christians as they come home. But his position is at God's right hand. He has been honored as both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.23, the apostles believe that. Let all Israel be assured that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified honored as both Lord and Christ. And Paul in Philippians 2 said, God has highly exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. So where Jesus is now, he's exalted in a high position of glory uh, at God's right hand. What is he doing? Well, he's preparing a place for us. He told the disciples that. But Jesus can speak words and things can be really made fast. Uh, at our house, uh, sometimes Diane makes something or Eric makes something, and they may work hours on whatever they're making. And it's amazing when it's done, but Jesus at the creation, he just spoke the word. And all these animals or all these trees, all these things just happened. So I don't think it's too much work for Jesus in heaven to be preparing a place for us. He's so powerful. Uh, what Hebrews says he's doing is he's interceding for us. He is ever living, Hebrews said, to make intercession for us. So that's going on all the time. In redemption, Hebrews 7, 21. He is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. So when a sinner, when we as a sinner believe what God has said about us, that we're a sinner and we need a savior and we can't save ourselves and only Jesus can save us, and when we exercise faith in him, Jesus up there in heaven is saying, okay, 
Dan's down there. Morgan's down there. I see them. They're exercising faith in me. And he's putting in a word with us for God. And our names are written, I believe, on the Lamb's Book of Life because of Jesus' present work interceding for us. That's a big advantage for us, isn't it? That's something on heaven going on for us. He's also uh, interceding, representing us. Once we're saved, we're, we're not just left alone out in the cold. No, Jesus is continuing to intercede for us. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered into heaven himself, now to appear for us in God's presence. That's Hebrews 9. There's other verses in Hebrews too. how we have a high priest who understands all our feelings, all our temptations, all our struggles, and he's interceding to God with perfect understanding of what we're experiencing down here on earth. Well, let's get back to our text verse. We're here on earth. What about us? Jesus is interceding for us, seeing us here, and he's providing so many things for us. Uh, Ephesians 4, when Jesus ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then he goes on to talk about spiritual gifts, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, those are here working on earth. And he's also given us power. This is Ephesians 1. Jesus' incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same, same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Well, if you're still in uh, John, the first big advantage of, that the Holy Spirit does for us is the benefit of clarity. Or we could use the word conviction, or we could use the word truth. Things are so cloudy at times, aren't they? Things are so unclear. And they were for the disciples. Jesus said, it's going to be to your advantage that I go back to heaven. They said, this is not clear to us. This is a disadvantage if you're in heaven. And they were talking, what does he mean? What does he mean? Well, the Holy Spirit is, is working in our minds and in our lives to bring clarity out of cloudiness, to bring light out of darkness. You know, the, I was thinking of the first time light and darkness was mentioned. It's right at the very beginning of the Bible, second verse, first verse of the Bible we all know by heart, don't we? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But verse 2 is, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And then God, the Spirit of God, it says, The Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Such a contrast of light and darkness. And the Holy Spirit is able to do that in our minds including those areas of our minds or those corners of our minds, the corners of our life that we just wish were clearer. We, we wish things were different. Now, there's a worse kind of darkness than physical darkness, and that's spiritual darkness. And Jesus, the light of the world, has come to clear up this sin problem, this spiritual darkness we have. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. 
In John 1, 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Nevertheless, when one turns from the Lord, 2 Corinthians 3, the veil of spiritual blindness is taken away. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all with unveiled faces Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So the Holy Spirit is working in us to change us, to move us more away from sin, move us more into the light of righteousness. In fact, Jesus said here in this uh, verse, uh, I think it's the verse right after our text verse, when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he will convict the world of sin of righteousness, and of judgment. Well, sin is things that are wrong. The Holy Spirit, in our minds, we've all had it happen. It's like, this is wrong. I shouldn't be thinking this thought. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have this attitude. This is wrong. It's the Holy Spirit working in our minds, through our conscience or directly uh, saying this is wrong, this is sin. He's convicting us and he's convicting other people all over the world, even people that aren't saved. There's a certain amount of conviction of the Holy Spirit on them. He's also thankfully convicting us of right. He convicts the world of righteousness. This is right. And we know the feeling, don't we? And the situation of knowing that all is right between us and God. And maybe something good happened in our life and we realize, you know what, that was God helping me. That was right. And the third thing, he brings clarity, not only on sin, on righteousness, but on judgment. And that has to do with the consequences of our choices. If we choose sin, the Holy Spirit speaks, you know what, at the end of that choice, trouble, trouble ahead. Trouble for yourself, trouble for others, trouble in eternity. Choosing sin means trouble and the Holy Spirit convicts us of judgment, of the consequences of our sin. Also, convinces us or clears up the truth of the right choice. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. That's in Galatians. Usually when I think of the word consequences, I'm thinking of negative consequences. But judgment, (laughs) consequences are not only negative for sin, but also good things for righteousness. So thank God for the Holy Spirit who works in our minds to bring clarity to this confusion that we have about sin. That sin is serious and sin leads to death and leads to suffering. And that righteousness is what God wants for us and it leads to life and peace. I was... uh, Listening to Romans 8 today on my... I like to listen as I exercise to my phone. Uh, I was listening to uh, some scriptures in Romans 8 where it talks about life in the Spirit. Romans 8 is a wonderful, wonderful scripture. And it ends with the uh, confidence that nothing can separate us from the love of God and from Jesus. Um, And that's for all of us who have chosen Christ and are living a life in the 
controlled by the Holy Spirit. So there's a benefit of clarity. The Holy Spirit guides us in the truth. Reveals truth to us about ourselves, about our sin, about our need for a Savior, about Jesus. Clears up the darkness. Andrew Reed uh, wrote some lyrics that I thought fit, fit well with this thing of clearing up darkness. Holy Ghost with light divine, shine upon this heart of mine. Chase the shades of night away, turn my darkness into day. Holy Ghost with power divine, cleanse this guilty heart of mine. Long hath sin without control held dominion over my soul. Holy Spirit all divine, dwell within this heart of mine. Cast down every idle throne, reign supreme and reign alone. Wonderful prayer. Well, the second advantage that I picked out, and there's more than three, I'm sure, but the first is the advantage or the benefit of clarity, the Holy Spirit speaking truth to our minds, helping us find our way. <clears throat> the second one is the benefit of comfort. And often in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And we need the Holy Spirit's comfort, especially in times of, of difficulty, especially when a loved one's passed away. But even uh, those of you that are old enough that you've had a child that got married, there's a certain sadness, isn't there? When uh, Leon and Martha probably need some comfort of the Holy Spirit today because their last child is out of the house and it's going to be an adjustment for them. Uh, it's mixed with joy, joy of seeing their child uh, follow the Lord's leading. But there's comfort for us, all kinds of comfort, joy and grief, peace and trouble. And Jesus talked about this quite a bit in some other scriptures too, even before John 16 in chapter 14, he talked about it some. And uh, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm, go I'm going to take care of you. And the comforter is such a blessing. Everything is turned to gladness all around this glorious guest. This is Manny Ferguson writing about the blessed quietness and peace and joy that we have in Jesus. Actually, this morning at our house, I sang that line. Everything is turned to gladness all around this glorious guest. And then I said, who's the guest? And Diane, who didn't know, but I was just jumping right in the middle of the song, said, Jesus! I was thinking, well, actually, it's the Holy Spirit, but actually, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus, always lifting up Jesus. And so I get very uncomfortable when I see big advertisements. Come to this Holy Spirit healing, because that's not how the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is never lifting up himself. Now, we believe in one God, but he's revealed himself in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the reason I believe that is what Jesus taught. Read the Gospel of John. These scriptures and also earlier scriptures when he was baptized, Jesus, Father in heaven, spoke and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. That was the person of the Father of God speaking. And also, at the same time, there was a dove that came down, uh, which was an embodiment of the Holy Spirit resting on Jesus. And so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit were all there at Jesus' baptism. And other times you can, you can read about the Holy Spirit uh, coming in special ways. So 
But you can always be sure the Holy Spirit is always speaking of Jesus. So if people say, or if we find ourselves saying, I wonder if the Holy Spirit's telling me to do that. Well, if it's opposite or different than the clear teaching of the Bible, uh, the words of Jesus, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's probably some other spirit. And we know there's two forces in the world, the force of God and good and truth and light and the force of Satan, the fallen angel, Lucifer, uh, and darkness and evil. And sometimes it's hard for us to sort all this out, but the Holy Spirit will always speak the truth that fits with the Bible and fits with the words of Jesus and always will be lifting up Jesus. And so I read on some more in this song and I realized that Manny Ferguson, even though he was writing about blessed quietness that comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's all about Jesus. On the stormy sea, Jesus speaks to me and the billows cease to roll. The Holy Spirit of Jesus is that part of God and Jesus that's right here with us today. Everything is turned to gladness all around this glorious guest. Banished unbelief and sadness, all is perfect peace and rest. Like the rain that falls from heaven, like the sunlight from the sky, so the Holy Spirit is given falls upon us from on high. Hallelujah for the Holy Spirit and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. And the third benefit or advantage of the Holy Spirit being with us, and advantage of Jesus going to heaven and sending the Holy Spirit, is a benefit I have titled this, the benefit of connection. And some of this I'm getting also from John 14 where we are connected with God through the Holy Spirit. John 14, if you're still there in John, I want to page back a page or two. John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, Jesus said, and he will give you another helper, the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. He's saying, I will come to you in the Holy Spirit and be right there beside you, right there with you. John 17, I don't think we'll take time to read it, but John 17 is Jesus' prayer. Sometime read that prayer and just think about how Jesus is praying to the Father for us. I was, I was reading it and studying it and just looking at all the different places where he was talking about us and talking about how he's going to help us. He's going to sanctify us, cleanse us from sin. He's going to empower us to be a witness. He's going to help us in suffering. All of that through the Holy Spirit working within us. All the good things from God, all the good things about the Christian life happen because the Holy Spirit of Jesus is in us. Convicting us of wrong, changing us, and charging us with power to live God's way, to be bold witnesses for him. Dale Eby last year spoke a sermon on the Holy Spirit, and I wrote some notes in my Bible here below John 16. He was speaking on the work of the Holy Spirit. He said, the Holy Spirit convicts us of wrong, of right, and of consequences. The Holy Spirit, number two, changes us cleanses us from sin, cleans us, make us, makes us brand new. And the third thing, the Holy Spirit 
charges us with power to live God's way, to be bold witnesses for him. We need that power. We need that connection with God. I have a few verses here in closing. First, Romans 15, Paul said, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 13, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And last of all, uh, Hebrews 13, Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.